Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. As always, on Mondays, I'm joined by my co-host, TJ Lasik. TJ, how was uh, the weekend? Weekend was good. We got a Keegan Bradley victory here. So one of our favorites, someone that we're always looking to in Rainmakers and DFS and all of the things. So fun, fun weekend there. I actually did not get to watch a ton of this tournament. I was more so just kind of watching the leaderboard on my phone, but uh, pretty, pretty much a wire to wire performance from Keegan all the way. A couple, couple other big names were close to the top of the leaderboard. Scotty Scheffler, of course, just continues to be in the mix with another, what, T4. It's pretty much automatic at this point. How about you, Coop? I know you were, you were spending more time playing golf this weekend than watching golf. Yeah, it was uh it was it was a fun filled weekend of golf for me and in a an IRL way played in a, a good friend of mine their member guest tournament at his country club was a really fun time which basically led to a lot of playing golf a lot of having drinks at the clubhouse and not a lot of watching too much golf. I think I watched probably a total of like 25 to 30 shots of golf. Uh I was up, up and around most of the uh, most of the week uh, for this tournament, but um, yeah. So I think the the recap is going to be pretty mini. I, uh, one thing that was nice, uh, I fielded a, a lineup in the elite uh, guaranteed contest, the hundred K guaranteed guaranteed contest. And it seems like when I watch tons of golf, I win no money. And if I watch very little golf, I win a good amount of money. So finished 53rd in that contest for a $500 score, which was really nice. Uh, Tony Finau captain really kind of pulled down my team. Everybody else kind of smashed had, Brian Harmon had Scheffler had Cantlay and then had Hideki Matsuyama. Finau rounded out that group had the choice at captain of Matsuyama, Finau or, or Harmon. Uh, my big decision last week was Brian Harmon or Adam Scott. Turns out I should have just opted for both of those guys over Tony Finau uh, would have, would have been better uh, going that way. But you know, it's really hard to feed someone like Tony. And I just think it's one of those kind of like, Hey, you get fancy. And then Tony goes off. Tony still played perfectly fine. Uh, finished T 45, T 45, nine under uh, the big killer for sure, which ultimately felt like a killer in the moment, but ended up, I don't think it really would have swung anything was he shot an even round, even par round of 70 uh, on Sunday, which then took away the all rounds under 70 bonus. And I think, you know, so many guys had that all rounds under 70 bonus. And then if you, I had him as my captain. So then you're getting seven and a half points. Instead of the five points, that was that was a pretty big number of points to to leave out there. I don't think for me, fortunately, it wouldn't have wouldn't have changed anything. Would have more uh, more solidified my position more in the group of payout for five hundred dollars. But uh, overall, a pretty good showing from the portfolio of cards that I had in that that specific lineup. And I am continuing to attack rainmakers at the core or sorry at the rare and elite level by trying to just build the best singular team that i can it ended up being that i had an adam scott team as a as a captain it it, it just didn't fall my way two guys uh missed the cut at minus three uh that if the cut goes to minus three would have had another five of five in the elite uh contest but you know it didn't go uh my way there i think it was posting and um 
Dylan Wu, I want to say, both were minus three and missed the cut on the number. So uh, that would have changed a lot of things. So, yeah, didn't watch a ton of golf, but you know, overall watching from my phone, like you said, uh, was fun. It was nice to see that I was kind of uh, squarely in the cash and then had a nice little sweat on uh, on Sunday. I was basically watching Tony and Tony only um, just because he is the captain of the anchor of that team. And I do like that element of Rainmakers. You really need the captain to hit in order to uh, to complete complete you know running up the leaderboard fortunate unfortunately tony tony had hadn't was not firing on sunday Harmon picked up the pace uh for him on sunday shot at 64 on sunday which really helped he was lower owns uh and clearly uh this is uh an event that marketing your calendars folks the we talked a lot about course history and the stickiness of the course history at uh, at the, uh, at, at the course there, what was it? TPC uh, for some reason I'm blanking river, river. Was it river Highlands? I can't remember what, uh, what name the course is there. Uh, but, but in general, the, uh, the course history stickiness is something that, uh, was a big thing, big factor going in and Harmon continued to crush. I think it's now five out of six years. He's in the top 10 finished T2. So, uh, nice little statistic to note for next year's event for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think the other names on the board uh, that you, you talked about, Scotty, and then Cantley. I wrote up Cantley last week. Cantley made tried to make Sunday really interesting. Shot sixty one uh, on Sunday. Uh, that that ultimately looked like it was the only guy that was going to force Keegan's hand. But yeah, Keegan just played so well the whole time. 62, 63, 64, and a two under sixty eight to win by three shots. So he was by far and away the best call for gained fifteen plus strokes throughout the bag. Uh, um, yeah, just an awesome performance by Keegan hometown kid too. I saw a lot of Twitter debates that like, Hey, he's not really from here, but I believe that they're on record saying that he's been at that tournament since he's basically been 10 years old, essentially. So, uh, pretty cool to see him have all of his family there. And, you know, the crowd was definitely pro Keegan crowd coming down 18 had to be an awesome feeling for him. Yeah. And tournament play, played as a birdie fest as, as we expected, Lots of low 60s rounds coming in, lots of mid 60s rounds. And uh, yeah, so you can kind of see how the tournaments also from a DraftKings standpoint play out differently. It's less about the the finishing points and more about how many birdies are you making? Are you getting the three in a row streak at just about every round? Are you getting that under 70 bonus? So I think as we uh, have a couple different variety of tournaments coming up just just kind of changes the the sweat a bit and i feel like a swings a lot more whereas when you have those tournaments where where single digits are winning it it's kind of a, a slow and steady sweat because not not many points are swinging and uh, lots of lots and, and lots of eagles also happening on some of these par fives like it was just pretty pretty regular for people to be getting an eagle every round so uh yeah fun fun tournament solid field and as we look forward to this coming week with the rocket mortgage not not so so strong of a field i was actually looking at the market page over on the otm website and if you check out the 24-hour volume you'll notice there's a lot of names that that you're not too familiar with and my thought is that because it's such a weak field there's these guys that that don't play in a ton of the tournaments but have really cheap rainmakers cards out there and so people are, are going out and scooping those up probably just to be able to field lineups. I mean, Joshua Creel, Richard John, like who are the, are, are these guys playing in the, the upcoming or some of them are, but Kevin Roy looks to be playing Zach Blair, just coming off of his performance, one of the top movers. So definitely 
tapping into a different collection of, of golfers for this week. Once you get outside of the top, like I'd say what 15 or so 20 names after that, it gets pretty, pretty dry this week. Yeah, definitely. I, I think one thing that is really interesting too with these courses that are, you know, birdie fest. A lot of people, you know, didn't think that River Highlands would essentially be a birdie fest right away. Like there wasn't this like overwhelming, you know, you know, it was going to play, you know, there was going to be guys that were 10 plus under 10 plus under par, but there wasn't the sense that 23 under would win the tournament. I think that was uh, a much bigger or much, much lower number under par than most people would have thought. But I think when you put an elevated event uh, in these in these fields and, and on these courses where if they get the right conditions, they can just fire at pins. You're getting so many of the best players in the world and you're bound to have somebody out there making a ton of birdies. I mean, Keegan makes a ton of birdies in the first couple of days. Ricky goes, uh, you know, Ricky, not a rainmaker's card, but I think, think shoots his lowest ever six. He shoots a 60. When that happens, everyone has to just start firing at pins. And all of a sudden, when everyone plays aggressive, you're bound to find, you know, 20 guys that are going to go way, way, way under par. And that's just how good these guys really are. So I, I think it, it is it is good to know like which golfers can really go low. And when you start to get aggressive, like that, that really changes everything from a, from a fantasy golf standpoint, when you got guys, you know, close to 20 under par, it, it everything kind of changes. You need streaks, you need, uh, you know, you need uh bogey free rounds. You need every point really to, uh, to run up the leaderboard. So I do think they are fun events. There's a lot more kind of to track. Um, but I also think those swings are some things that are really hard, uh, really hard to understand your position on the leaderboard that all rounds under 70. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, changed a lot for like how I was sweating fantasy golf in one tournament. And then I was like constantly thinking about this all rounds under 70 bonus, but you know, you really see it at a course when it was par 70, you just, uh, you really see it when that's the case. So, um, yeah, I, I think we have a couple of events coming up between the John Deere classic between the rocket mortgage that we're going to talk about, uh, but you know, John Deere rocket mortgage and the travelers definitely events that lend themselves to more birdies. So the next couple of weeks, you're going to want to, you're going to, you know, wanting to be putting your lineups together, knowing that you're going to need these guys in your lineup to make a ton of birdies in order to win. Um, all right. I think that covers at least my thought. Oh, I guess one other, one other conversation, uh, one other topic. I don't know if you saw this, but I, I saw this earlier today when I was looking, Rory had some interesting comments on the golf course in general. And what he thought said that the golf course was essentially obsolete when the conditions don't lend themselves to playing as fast and firm as these, these, uh, the, the courses would want them to, I think it's an interesting comment. I think people are going to always take every elite golfers comments and kind of try to make more of a story out of them than is really there. I think Rory is just saying that the game is different. Now the ball goes further. Every guy hits it pretty far. You know, these courses where, it, it play has played the same for the last five to 10 years. It, it's going, they're going to surrender more birdies to these guys. Now the ball's further. 
the ability that these guys have to know exact distances and know every single thing about the course, I think is just so, so paramount. And to me, it just makes the game, you know, more interesting. I don't think birdie fests are any less interesting than other events. I think they're just different. And I guess when you start talking about the history of golf, that's when some of the conversation changes, but I don't know if you had any takes on uh, what Rory said, but I thought he pretty much just laid out exactly, exactly what his thoughts were in terms of the course and the defense that the course had against these golfers. Yeah, everyone, everyone's just so good. They hit it so far. They hit it so consistent that some of these courses are, you know, going to have trouble defending against that. And that's we've seen the chatter about the quote unquote rollback and the idea of that. And, you know, I think it's just the the nature of of the game, not just of golf, but of all sports. Athletes are getting better. They're going to continue to get better. You look at the NBA, the way it plays now versus the way it played years ago, the number of three pointers that are being made and the percentage at which players can make three pointers. Like I think it's pretty similar there. And NBA games are just higher scoring now because you can't defend against that. Right. So I think it's just a, a natural thing in pretty much across the board and in, in all of sports. And Rory just telling it like it is. And I think that's uh that's what we expect from Rory. So makes sense to see that. And good to see Rory in the in the mix yet again. Another top ten for him. So he, he continues to be be right there firing. And I think we're gonna see a win from him in the near future before the end of this season. Yeah, I completely agree. What I, I did get asked this in our in our Discord, and I thought it was interesting. I didn't get a chance to take a look at the numbers uh, for him just yet. But Rom looked like Rom missed the cut, was shot shot two under. Uh, what, what's your take on the state of Rom's game, and if there's any you know cause for concern? To me, it just feels like one of those weeks where he, he maybe just didn't make putts, or you know just didn't see the ball fall in the hole, didn't hit it as good as he he typically does. Any thoughts on Rom and Rom missing the cut there? Yeah, definitely seeing that that Rom doesn't have quite the week in week out consistency that Scheffler is showing in any tournament that he plays. But I, I'm not worried about it. I these types of tourneys are are never really where I expect Rom to thrive. I always expect him more on the the difficult tracks versus the birdie fests. I think he's even made comments in the past alluding to the fact that he's not a big fan of some of these birdie fest putting fest type of tournaments. So I didn't really look into his specific numbers. Always surprising to see Rom miss the cut, like regardless of the course that they're playing, the field that it is. Never, never really expect to see that happen, but also not concerned. And uh, I'll be, I'll be locked into Rom come time for the open. No doubt about that. Yeah. Definitely agree there. And and then, sorry, la last bit here, I, I think it was interesting, you know, between some guys that were trying to find their game a little bit, Justin Thomas seemed like he he might have found something a little bit. Sanjay M uh, makes the cut, makes a nice run, finishes, I believe, 11 under. And then uh, Max Homa, uh, kind of the third one on that list there, didn't play as well as those two guys. But I do think, you know, trying to keep track of guys like JT, guys like Homa, guys like Sanjay M, you know, to me, it's all about, if they can find something, if they can find a little bit of something in their game in an event like this, where they go out and they make the cut, they make some birdies, you, you start to get that feeling back. And then you come into, you know, the, we're, we're all sort of looking at the, the open championship here in four weeks as the event that most of these guys are prepping to play. You already see it at the rocket mortgage where Tony Finau is defending. So he's back, but I expect these guys to be, 
taking a couple of weeks off, maybe getting back into a more regimented practice routine. They had a heck of a run from, you know, before the open, the U S open, then the U S open, then they play the travelers here because it's an elevated event. There's so much money up for grabs. So I do think, you know, we're going to see guys over the course of the next couple of weeks, taking some weeks off, uh, playing a week or here a week here or there uh, in prep for the open championship. I know Cantlay, I believe is, uh, is committed to the Scottish open and, and a couple of other guys. So it'll be interesting to see what fields look like in the next couple of weeks. It is interesting also to note that in the next couple of weeks from a schedule perspective, uh, not, not this week or next week, but after that, we have two weeks in a row where there's multiple uh, tournaments on the same weekend. And it looks like DraftKings will have, uh, events for both the Barbasol Championship, which is going to be held the same week as the Genesis Scottish Open, and then the week of the Open Championship as well, the Barracuda Championship, uh, will will have contests as well. So it'll be interesting to see what the fields look like in those alternate events. I think that's something to keep in mind uh, for anybody out there kind of picking up guys in the marketplace and things like that, or things to keep in mind, especially for once we get some ideas on who's going to be in those fields. But yeah, I think uh, next couple of weeks will be interesting to see how the rocket, you know, how the following up the rocket mortgage, how the John Deere turns out and then uh, where guys are, are thinking for prep in terms of the open, but we'll keep an eye on fields, strength of fields. And of course you'll be able to find all the data on rainmakers pricing and odds on our site over at otmnft.com. All right, let's get into the rocket mortgage held at Detroit golf club. Believe it's the fourth year for the tournament to be held at Detroit golf club. A couple of times we've had you know, guys at the top of the board win it last year, Tony Finau odds were pretty short if they weren't the shortest to win the event. But prior to that, we had Cam Davis win it, who was a pretty long shot winner. Uh, and yeah, I think there is a recipe at this course for bombers having more success and you know being able to score a bit easier at uh Detroit Golf Club. So I do think guys that can hit it a long way and use that bomb and gouge approach uh tend to end up being in a bit better shape than you know somebody who just routinely uh always is better you know with irons and approach play. I think this this kind of course setup where we know birdies are going to need to be made we're going to want to look at putting and putting is just really hard to predict. So that's why in one week when the favorite goes out and puts really well, like last year with Finau, he wins the tournament. And when, you know, Cam Davis, someone who was 151 150 plus to one comes out and has a hot putter that week, you see him rise up the board. So I do think that in in these kind of events, it is very dependent on putting, which is a really difficult statistical category to predict. And you can get all kinds of crazy winners. But if you just look at this field and, you know, you rattled off the, you know, you said top 20, I'd say maybe it is even limited to only the top 10 uh, players. But after, you know, top 10 guys where you're getting below Brian Harmon and, and Harris English, it's got to open. In my opinion, there's probably... 30 plus golfers that are all pretty much the same in some way, shape or form and can get hot on any given week. And over the course of four rounds could win a tournament. So I do think there, these events with a little lesser fields are always pretty interesting to me. And I tend to build my teams, you know, for entering them into the guaranteed contest, even more in, in events like this. If you've got a couple of guys that you could put in your lineups as an anchor, you know, if you're holding on to any of Finau, Matsuyama, JT, Homa, Morikawa, you had a couple of those guys you can put together 
And then all of a sudden you add in, you know, anybody down in the middle of the board, I think your lineup could be live to win. Uh, especially if we get five, you get five of five through the cut. So, uh, what's your take, Tej, on these events where we've got you know a pretty strong, I'll call it just tier one top top ten guys, and then sort of everybody else after that. Yeah. So just so everyone knows the the field that we're looking at here. So we've got Tony Finau top of the board at twelve to one, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas both at sixteen to one, Max Homa and Colin Morikawa eighteen to one, Tom Kim twenty to one, Sunjay M twenty two to one. Keegan Bradley looking for back-to-backs at 28 to one. And then Cam Davis, Brian Harmon, Harris English, a couple other guys there, Sepp Straka. I'd say that's kind of the, the cutoff there, like you mentioned, right in that, that Brian Harmon kind of 35 plus 3,500. And then it gets, whew, it gets thin rather quickly, which I even, you know, head over to, to check out my collection from the lineup builder and just, putting together I, I i already noticed that i didn't have as many options as i'm used to having on a week-to-week basis so maybe a, a good week that if you're either looking to play a little less volume and just kind of throw in what you have or if you want to hit the marketplace there's definitely some cheap cards that as coop was saying can become more relevant this week than than they typically would when you only have you know five to ten kind of top tier golfers in the field it becomes much more likely that somebody from this middle of the pack or even the bottom of the pack has a chance to get hot with the putter, make a bunch of birdies and run towards the top. Um, yeah. So in, in terms of like the guys at the, the top of the leaderboard, I think you can, can play all of them and should play all of them. Um, if you have them in your collection, just, just kind of go ahead, fire them in. I wouldn't even be worried, too worried about trying to get crazy unique or, or anything like that. I know you have a nice elite lineup that you're looking at Coop. So be, be fun to sweat that this weekend. And then as we get towards the, you know, more towards the bottom, Chris Kirk is a guy that is always um, someone that's on my radar. And I think he, he kind of pops again this week. Taylor Moore um, has not been good at all lately, but has at least shown some upside with a win in the past. Also someone that can get hot with the putter and can make those birdies. So, he popped for me, but oof, there's not a Brent, Brendan Todd, somebody that, that can always roll in, roll in putts. I, I had my eye on him too, but um, yeah, it's, it's a little ugly this week. And, and my first glance, there wasn't a ton that was necessarily jumping off the page to me. I think it's really a week to embrace the chaos, uh, utilize the cards that you have, mix and match them as you see fit. And don't, don't, don't try to, overthink this one too much because i think we're looking at a bit of a bit of a wild card weekend ahead yeah i completely agree and i think you can tell that just straight from the betting odds right like somebody like brian Harmon. i was trying to pull up odds from the travelers but i believe Harmon was like plus 6500 65 to 1 to win the travelers obviously played fantastic but when brian Harmon is 35 to 1 to win a golf tournament it you just know that the field is really not as strong even the guy like finau you know top of the board 12 to 1 like it's to me it's really hard to be if i'm not really a big golf outright better uh don't really have 
a strategy for that. Love fantasy golf a little bit more. But in general, like Tony Finau at 12 to 1 to me to win a golf tournament is just a crazy bet to me. There, I don't I don't care what tournament he's in. I don't care if he's defended five yeah. times. Getting 12 to 1 on your money on Tony Finau is just not good enough, in my opinion. And even so JT is up at 16 to 1. We were just talking about him recently, Al. He was what? He was 50 to 1. 50, 50 plus to 1. Yep. Yeah. So, you know. Hey, I also think it's not a, if I'm outright betting at all this week, I would not take anyone from the top of the board. I'd be throwing any kind of long shot darts. It's a, I think, I think you're looking 40, 40 plus Plus, to one. I think even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're very comfortable at a hundred plus. Yep. I agreed with that for sure. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're trying to take flyers and yeah, it'll be interesting to write the Tuesday article this week. I, I love using the betting ranges just because it's easy to try to like, essentially just tear out the golf course and the field. Um, you know, so I, I, I will, it will be interesting to write the long shots column because I have a lot more work in the long shot category to do this week than I typically do where we have a lot of guys at the top of the field, top of the board with a lot more win equity. So yeah, I do think it will be quite interesting. You mentioned a strong elite lineup. Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty, um, and this is, you know, we talked about this, the difference in rainmakers compared to just traditional golf DFS you really can become kind of like, uh, you know, connected to your collection, you know, three guys that have been in my elite, you know, team every time they're in the field is Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, and then one of either Adam Scott or Brian Harmon just been the four elite golfers that I have the elite cards for that I'm very comfortable playing in just about any situation. So just turns out that I have Finau, Harmon, Hideki elite cards. So those three guys. And then I also have, Tom Kim and Max Homa rares, you know, I'm, I was sitting here and this is, this is what happens when you get a tournament, like, uh, like, like the rocket Morris sitting here debating, like, is Max Homa good enough to, to play in this top lineup based on his current form? I think it's a fair question, quite frankly, just because Max Homa has been such a different golfer. He certainly has just so much more elite talent uh, than a lot of other guys in this field. But you have to start looking into recent form and recent history. Uh, for now, I'm on the uh, on 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 the the side of just jam them in. Uh, don't let fancy play syndrome come into play here, and just put the best golfers into the top team. So I, I probably ninety percent of the time I'll end up with Max at the top lineup, and maybe another ten percent of the time I'll end up with somebody else but we will see where we go i'll obviously host the the wednesday uh lineup builder show where i'll have most of my final decisions made so if you're out there listening to this tune in uh to that wednesday show love to go through all the listener questions and uh, any comments thoughts things that you guys have uh still want, that you want to talk about uh related to rainmakers and just fantasy golf in general so yeah pretty strong um pretty strong top team i i noticed the same as you though when i looked at rare i've become accustomed to having you know 25 to 45 rares in play on a given week and this week only have 21 rares in play and when when you take the strategy that i'm taking where i'm playing all of my best rares up in those elite contests i'm gonna have a pretty thin (laughs) rare roster uh construction this week most likely so yeah i've got 11 elites in play 21 rares and then 28 cores which i've been using my own um my own collection as a little bit of a barometer for entries for rainmakers so i guess by by that measuring stick 
maybe there's some there's less entries in uh in the tournament this week so we'll keep an eye on that the guaranteed elite contest has been like 2000 or so and then i think the the rare elite con or rare guaranteed contest has been pushing like 4000 4000 plus so uh we'll keep an eye on total entries there but as always um you need to beat a lot of teams, a lot of lineups in the in those guaranteed contests to win. But I think they give you the best chance at clawing back your investment and the biggest upside shots at you know continuing to uh, pound that ROI out there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm looking at this. You, you mentioned Taylor Moore. I'm looking at this odds board trying to to find some guys in the middle ground. Uh, you know, I know both of us have been on this guy before, Joseph Bramlett. I mentioned, you know, guys that can hit it a long way and kind of taking a bomb and gouge approach. Nobody hits it longer than Bramlett. The question will just be is, is Bramlett's putter good enough to make enough birdies? Uh, you, you know, the putter still has to cooperate no matter what. If you hit it to 10 feet on a lot of holes and you can't make 10 footers, you're going to struggle at birdie fest type events. You need a hot putter. Uh, this is a Donald Ross design. So there's still going to be some really intricate, intricate, um, uh, undulations on the greens known for a lot of the way he uses, you know, greens and a lot of the way they use like slopes and things like that. So there's going to be some bending putts as there always is. And I'm sure the greens were running qu quite quickly. So it'll always matter on if Bramlett's putter wakes up. And then a couple other guys who we like as well, uh, who've been really hot. Mark Hubbard. Uh, I like Hubbard. His game has been fantastic. Probably some of the best golf he's been playing. Um, and then after that, it kind of is a little all over the place. Yeah. I'm seeing, you know, somebody like Adam Svensson, 63 in the world, all the way down at 110 to one. So uh, I think that's a little bit indicative of where his game is currently. And then you add in a birdie fest when you need to make birdies, it can be hard. So, uh, you know, I think there's, there's some guys definitely at, you know, over, a hundred to one that, uh, that could, that could win this event. My guy, Dylan Wu, uh, missed the number on the cut. He was my long shot pick last week, missed the number on the cut. He's back on the board at 130 to one. Uh, I still think Dylan Wu, it will, it will be the same question as everyone else. Same question of what, what we've been saying. Can the putter heat up enough to make enough birdies? I think that in his, in his Friday round, he didn't make a bogey only made uh, two birdies, but didn't make a bogey was clean. Just didn't make enough birdies uh, to, to make the cut uh, last week. So um, yeah, I like, I like Wu a lot. I like his game. If his putter can heat up, he can definitely run up the board in a, in an event like this in a field like this, no doubt. So those are a couple names uh, in the middle of the board and a little bit further down the bottom of the board that I definitely will be looking to early. And uh, like I said, check out the Tuesday article. We'll pick a guy at the top, the middle, and a long shot to go uh, alongside the picks that I make this week. What about you? Anybody else middle or long shot that you got your eye on? Uh, I got my eye on, on one guy that I was going to talk about as, as my winner pick. Oh, uh, okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah, so this is, is someone we've talked about him on the show before. I, I think you, you've got him in, in your collection. He's sitting at 80 to one here this week. So we're going with a long shot. He's got uh, two two recent top tens at Charles Schwab in the Memorial. Two second place finishes so far this year. It's Adam Shank. I like Adam Shank. He's uh can do a little bit of everything, can get hot with the putter, has been putting. I'd say pretty decently, and that has resulted in some of his so like his two 
second place finishes, gained five and seven strokes putting. I like to see that uh, whenever we're getting into a birdie fest. As we said, you're going to make need to make a lot of those like eight to 15 footers. Over the past 50 rounds, he ranks seventh in the field in putting, 19th in DraftKings points, and then is also in the top 50 in all the strokes gained stuff. So, uh, yeah, embracing a little bit of the long shot this week. Going to go with with Adam Schenk as my winner pick. Aaron Rye was also someone that I did give consideration to. I feel like that's someone who is is going to win one of these tournaments some week, and I think it's it's more likely to happen in one of these types of fields. So Aaron Rye, not someone that I look too often, but he does just feel like a guy that's going to pop out of nowhere and, and get a win. So I think he's another, what, like 65 to one or something type of guy. So had uh, had my eye on him too, striking the ball well, coming off two nice results here and three top 25s in their last four starts. So I do like Aaron Rye as well in that mid-range long shot kind of category. Love it. I want to circle back on Shank. Any thoughts on what I think was your guy or one of your go-to guys? Hasn't been playing as good recently, but you know, talk about bombers. Any thoughts on Luke List? I know you're kind of like you. I, I believe you've been a little bit of like a Luke List whisperer. When you like Luke List, he he seems to play well. Interested in your thoughts on Luke List here this week? Yeah, I I generally like Luke List as a golfer. I actually tend to like him more in harder events because he can't putt so like you know he, he, he'll make some birdies because he'll put it right next to the pin and be able to just tap it in but generally speaking he's one of the worst putters on tour and so in birdie fest like i definitely like his chances to to make the cut and and do well but in terms of making enough putts to actually win the tournament just don't quite have have the confidence there but I don't I don't mind Luke List. I mean, always always strikes the ball well and has actually been the last what five, six tournaments been putting pretty reasonably. So okay. All right. The more I look, the more I'm I I can come around to it. I've got Luke List in my collection. So I've always I'm always playing him every week. But um I'd say it's not my favorite week for him, but I the more I'm looking at it, I I, I like some Luke List this week. Yeah, he 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 definitely stuck out to me. I I also you know for those of you guys that are playing rainmakers, I also really like to use DraftKings pricing uh, as kind of a. I know we talk a lot about betting odds, and we have betting odds. I, I tend to use DraftKings pricing as, alongside betting odds just to get a sense of like where guys fit uh, into the puzzle piece of the collection of golfers that are out there uh, that are playing in a, in a specific event. I think uh, pricing on DraftKings, uh, especially on weeks like this, it can lend itself to some insights that maybe aren't you know instantly apparent uh otherwise i i do you know coming back to to your pick and uh and, and we'll solidify the fact that it is your winner pick adam shank i mean this guy he's missed two cuts in a row us open and now the travelers um but in general he definitely just has this like swingy upside where if you catch him on the right week, he can play lights out. So, you know, I like him in a field like this. I also like it because when you're a golfer who stepped up, got into the U S open, when you're, uh, I believe he's, what is he? 50th in the world now, 53rd in the world now, or something like that. Uh, where do I have him here? Oh, here let's see. Um, Eight thousand to one, yeah, fifty-two in the world. When you're fifty-second in the world, you kind of come into an event like this. I have to believe that you look at the list and you say, "Damn, 
I competed at the Charles Schwab. I finished second in a playoff. Like I can win this golf tournament. And when you come in thinking I can win this golf tournament versus you, you come into the U S open and you come into the travelers and it's a loaded field. There's a ton of money up for grabs. You, you probably put a little more pressure on yourself and you don't come in, in as, as confident or, you know, you come in a little differently and, and I don't know, I'm not a pro golfer here. I'm speculating, but I just have to believe that somebody in Adam Shanks, you know, team somebody around him is saying hey man look at this field this feels worse than you know what charles schwab was you can go out and win this golf tournament i think the mental side of golf continues to be something that interests me uh, and intrigues me a good bit with all of these guys so when you when you hear the stories when you hear how hard they work when you when you hear what they're going through uh the mental side of the game is a big part of it so you know i'm kind of ignoring the u.s open miscut and even last week's miscut i think uh shank's playing himself into these bigger events you know time in and time out now and he's getting more experience you come out of those events into a field like this and yeah you i i think he could he could just wake up and say you know what i'm gonna go and win this golf tournament and play really really well so i think his game also rounds out a good bit for a course like detroit golf club where he kind of is spread out and can do everything pretty well uh it's not like he has a a, a singular point of failure uh something like luke at luke list where we know the putter is going to be a struggle i don't think that shank is like that where he has some good game all the way through the bag if he can turn it on so if he finds his a game yeah look out i love uh love adam shank so um that 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 pick is is nice i like it i have a little adam shank in my collection too and i always like when my collection there we have it. the thoughts that tj has always a good thing for sure let's go beautiful um yeah i i don't, I don't think i have anything else we, we covered a good bit any any final thoughts for you uh otherwise before we uh close the show today no final thoughts. Good luck this coming week. Always good to see people continuing to have success in the Discord. So uh, hopefully see some some more green screenshots coming up this week. Yeah, it's a uh, little less pri- little less prize pool this week. Obviously on DraftKings, we're not at a deluxe. We're uh, I believe what are we are we standard this week or are we? premium this week or premium. Yeah. Premium this week. Just wanted to confirm. So a little less pricing, but also most of the, most of the guaranteed contests still have that, that, uh, that carrot at the top. I know elite still has a $10,000 prize pool, uh, prize at the top for first place. So still a lot of money to be won. There will be some big winners this week. So go out there, build your best teams and uh, get, get them into the contest. And you never really know. This is a week where I could hear TJ and I talking on Monday, talking about golf variants and somebody at, 200 to one 150 to one taking this thing down so uh get your teams in there and yeah like as always every week uh tomorrow i'll have tomorrow late night tomorrow early early wednesday i'll have an article out highlights my my picks across the board and then wednesday i'll be back for a solo lineup builder show if you've got questions comments thoughts want to chat golf want to chat rainmakers would love for you to tune in last week we uh yeah we uh we previewed our golf fantasy game blitz fantasy golf. We gave away a pack. I'll twist TJ's arm into be doing, being able to do that again this week. So if you haven't seen blitz, if you haven't played blitz tune in on Wednesday, we'll rip open a blitz fantasy golf pack and we'll give it away to those of you that are able to tune in for, for the show. So, uh, looking forward to seeing you all. And I think, uh, that will do it for this week's episode of the preview, the recap and preview show. He's TJ. I'm Coop. We will see you all later this week and talk to you on the Discord. Later.